The text for our sermon this morning on the fourth Sunday in Lent is from the Holy Gospel, from John chapter 9 that you just heard read. And we reflect on how we are taught by this story a number of things, but in particular, that faith is true vision, doubt and sin is true blindness. God's grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Genesis 3, the devil tempted Adam and Eve by saying, God knows that when you eat of this fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will become like God. This temptation then begged the question for Adam and Eve, God, why did you not give us sight? God, why are we blind to the things that you see and know? God, we want to be just like you. And in desiring sight, they became blind. Adam and Eve ate the fruit and blindness has come to us all. We are all like this man born blind in one sense. Our sinful flesh blind to the ways of God. Our sinful flesh with closed ears to the word of God? So in a way, the question the disciples asked Jesus makes sense. Who sinned that this man was born blind? Jesus, though, redirects the question. Jesus, not so concerned about who sinned, really, but who is it that truly has sight to lead the blind? Who is it who is righteous? Who is it that will save? Who is it that will not only lead the blind, but who will be the light to bring sight? Who will open up deaf ears? Who will open up closed eyes? Who will remedy this situation of sin we find ourselves in? It is Jesus. Now, think back about this gospel reading and imagine if Jesus had explained to the people what he was going to do before he did it. Jesus would have sounded crazy. Just as some people think we are crazy for believing the gospel, just as some people believe we are crazy, and maybe even your sinful flesh doubts and thinks you're crazy for believing Romans 8.28. Remember, Romans 8.28 is that God works all for the good of those who believe. Sometimes, if you're like me, you think you're blind for believing that. That God can use all things for good, even our suffering, but that's precisely what Jesus says he does today in our reading. It's not that, this, it's not that somebody sinned, that this man was born blind, but that it would be used to bring glory to God. So imagine, before all of this, before this miracle takes place, imagine if Jesus says, okay, folks, watch this. I'm going to spit in the mud, and I'm going to rub the mud on this man's eyes, and he's going to see again. Crazy. No way. That's even disgusting, Jesus. That can't possibly help me, perhaps the blind man would say. But Jesus doesn't wait for his approval. Jesus just does. It's kind of like when your mom comes to you after you've skinned a knee or an elbow and says, well, I'm going to pour hydrogen peroxide on that. 
No way. You're crazy, Dad. That can't be helpful for me. I'm going to rub my spit and mud on your face. I don't know, maybe there's something to what dads do say when you hurt yourself. Rub some dirt in it, you'll be fine. When the disciples first spoke to Jesus, notice their question. But Jesus' answer was just as unfulfilling then as it is today. Rabbi, who who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Well, it's so so that the works of God may be glorified. That's the same answer to all your suffering. All your skinned knees, hurt elbows, bruised egos. Because you see, the disciples, they know our world has been infected by sin. They know the story from Genesis 3. The disciples know that blindness was not originally part of creation. Sin has, for this man and for us, reared its ugly head in the blindness that we have toward God and one another. However, the disciples are misapplying Scripture. They were speculating instead of repenting. Instead of repenting and trusting in Jesus, the disciples want to know the why question. The disciples speculated, Jesus, whose fault is this? Let's first find out whose fault this is, and then we can solve the problem. Just like the Pharisees thought getting rid of Jesus was going to be the solution to all their problems. The disciples, in the same way, are focused on why. Just give us an answer, God. Just tell us why, and we'll be satisfied. But all the while they're asking these questions and searching, Jesus is focused on what? What is Jesus' answer? Not on the why, but on the who. It's not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of who? The works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus is focused on pointing us and the disciples toward himself as the light. He is the solution. Jesus is focused on the man's needs, his most important needs, to reverse the effects of sin, but even greater He is here to save this man and us from this veil of tears. Even when when we, by false belief or doubt, believe that this veil of tears in this life, that if we just know why, then that's better than confessing who Jesus is. What I mean is that when we believe that this life is better than the resurrection to come, when the devil tempts us to think that This life that we have here and the things that we have, like the parents, they were afraid to confess the truth because they didn't want to get thrown out of the synagogue. They thought that they were willing to, to betray eternal life to have comfort in this world. They worried. And worry, when it comes to us, it exposes false belief. Panic exposes our false gods. Jesus comes, though, and he doesn't cause panic. He doesn't call, he doesn't ask them to worry, but he tells them to trust. He doesn't come and rebuke the blind man, 
He doesn't doesn't really rebuke the disciples and tell them how stupid they are. But he works his works for the benefit of sinners. And he does this for you as well. Yes, he forgives you even when you do worry, when you do panic, when it gets the best of you. Jesus forgives our sins and he gives us our ultimate need of eternal life. Yes, Jesus restored this man's sight. He used the things of creation. He used mud and dirt. Remember what we heard from Genesis. From mud you came, and to mud you shall return. This man's eyes were dead, and Jesus brought life and light by mud. Himself, his flesh. He, Jesus himself, who came from the same mud that you and I do. This man's eyes were dead, but Jesus brought light and life. He used his healing word combined with mud and then sent him to the pool, Siloam. Did you catch? John said it means sent. Jesus sent this man to the one who was sent. He washed. He used physical elements combined with a promise, go and wash. Jesus could have just waved his hands. He could have said some mighty words, waved his arms in the air to heal the man, but he didn't. He chose to use material, real elements to tie his promise to real mud with a real promise. Go and wash. And maybe put yourself in this blind man's shoes a little bit. Perhaps you can imagine how often he was tempted to panic. We're told he was born blind, even as a boy. Can you imagine what his his life was like as he asked his mom and dad, Mom and dad, what color is my hair? What is a mountain? What does the sun look like? What is the ocean? Or maybe further in life, how this man must have panicked, perhaps when his mom and dad died, or how he would have doubted, how often he worried Is someone going to rob me? Someone going to murder me from from out of nowhere? He had to trust. How, How have we worried? I know I have. This story brings us comfort because Jesus died for sinners. For us who would worry and panic, for us who've not loved our neighbor as we should, For us, who even sometimes intentionally blind ourselves to God's word by not reading it, by not studying it, we would rather see and be taught by the world. For us, who every once in a while act as though we are blind to the truth, to God's truth of loving one another as God has loved us, we want to figure out everybody else's sins like the disciples and the Pharisees. Jesus comes to this blind man and he comes to you to give you sight. That there's no need to worry. God knows what he's doing, even when he causes you to suffering, when he brings that that hydrogen peroxide to cause you suffering. When you think, this can't be good for me. He says, I use all things for the good of those who believe. 
He knows what you're troubled with. He knows what causes you to worry, what causes you to stay up at night, and yet he still says, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. Do not worry. Using his very body, mud, he came to this world of the same mud that Adam was created, but this one would not return to dust. This mud body would not return to mud. It would see no corruption. Having the same flesh and blood as you and I, but no sin. He had no doubts, no worries. He trusted his father, even unto death, that he would deliver him, and he did. He raised him. The one who comes to us, who used his spit to, to heal, to give sight, how was he repaid as he hung on the cross? The people returned the favor and spit on him, but not in honor, but in derision. And if the world so thinks such of our Savior, how will they not also think that of us? Jesus crucified for our sins of doubt and worried. He died for your sins. Our sins of worry, maybe trying to figure out how we're going to survive in an economy like this. What, what world are we going to leave for our kids and grandkids? Because so often, rather than examining our lives and repenting so that we would be given true sight, we worry. This is why Jesus died, so we don't have to worry that our sins will keep us. Jesus takes away our sins. Maybe not so much by using spit, although on the cross he did say, Father, forgive them. His father, his father answered his prayer, not by taking him down from the cross, but by letting him die. Because he knew he would raise him up and bring light to our world. So Jesus told this man to go and wash in Siloam. His sight was restored. Remember, St. Paul was told to be baptized and scales fell from his eyes. Naaman, the leper, was told to wash in the Jordan seven times. His leprosy was healed. Jesus tells you, I wash you as well in the waters of baptism. This pool of Siloam has some history tied to it. This was a pool in the Old Testament that Isaiah teaches us. This was a meeting place where, where wicked kings who were trying to lead God's people astray, they came and met the Israelites at the pool of Siloam, and they tried to work a deal with them. The Assyrians, they said, join with us, leave Yahweh behind, don't trust your God, we will give you shelter, we will protect you. We will give you wine and riches. Today, God reclaims this location, the pool of Siloam, for his use. So who do you trust? Everyone was wondering the question, why is this man born blind? Just so often like we wonder, God, why me? But while everyone thinks the answer is found in the why, Jesus asks us to consider who. Who is it that loves you? Not who sinned, that's easy. When they ask the question, who sinned, they all should have said, well, all of us. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But not one of them stopped to consider repentance. Because again, repentance is like that hydrogen peroxide to our pride. 
Everyone wanted to figure out the unknowns, and Jesus answers with the one known, God's love for us. The pool of Siloam is where God's sent one provides for all the unknowns. Jesus is teaching us that in baptism, he heals us. He's given us new birth. He's given us new vision. Using, again, his word and a physical element. We could call this our pool of Siloam. He gives us sight so that we would see with eyes of faith. That we are not, that we pray that we're not like the disciples of the Pharisees trying to figure out everyone else's sins, but that we would confess our sins and then help one another. Our world is so often wondering about the why because they want to avoid repentance, because they don't want to crucify their flesh. They want to save themselves by finding someone else to blame. Don't do that. That is blindness. We should all the more not look for someone else to blame, but to confess. The opponents of Jesus desperately wanted to find someone to blame. But we are to confess, and by confessing our sin, we see clearly. Because we are then, by the Holy Spirit, moved to see who? Christ. We are not afraid to crucify our flesh. We're not even afraid to die. Because we are truly the only ones who are alive. We who've had our eyes washed. Now God may bring you sicknesses. God will bring you trials. But he does this to teach you. He knows what he's doing. He's given us eyes and even light. So that we may look into the dark, the deepest darkness of death and disease. And not fear. But live by faith. Because God works all things for our good. May the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.